We've been fairly transparent in our office, I think, and that's been a huge thing that's really helped us build a good relationship with a lot of the hotel partners, but also the um, activities partners. They're super important, and so are the restaurant owners. Welcome, everyone, to the Destination Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Stoker, along with my co-host, Jordan Barker. Hello. How you doing today, Jordan? Doing well, man. How are Adam, let me ask you a question. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm so good. Getting ready to head out of town on a little vacation oh, today. Oh, that's right. Where are you headed? We're going to St. George, Utah. Okay. Yep, renting a boat and taking the family out on a boat. Okay, should playing you, some golf. Should you be driving a boat? I guess that's my question. I will not be driving. Okay. I'm legally required not to drive that a boat. That makes a yep. lot of sense. So okay. I think my brother will probably take the take the reins. Okay, there. I feel better about that. Good, cool. <laughs> but outside of my vacation, uh, we have a special guest today, one that I'm excited to to have on, a friend of mine that I've, I've been friends with for a long time. Her name is Fallon Owens, and she is the executive director of the Garfield County Tourism Office in Garfield in Garfield County, Utah, and uh, their website is BryceCanyonCountry.com. She also hosts the unverified largest March Madness bracket tournament in the country, and probably the most exciting one. Is that fair to say? No question. Yeah. It might even be the largest in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I said unverified. I said okay. unverified. <laughs> Fallon, welcome to the show. Hi guys. We're we're really excited to have you on. I think to to get started, you know, just to kind of break the ice, we always like to ask a couple of of questions. And I'll start. Uh, what Fallon is your dream destination? If you could go anywhere in the world, where would it be? So this is kind of funny, but instead of like a destination destination, I have like a bucket list of sporting events. That I want okay. to okay. in my life. Let's let's hear. So I want to go to the Masters. I want to go to one Super Bowl in my life. I've already been to okay. the Final Four, so I checked that one off. Nice Kentucky Derby. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of Th- those are good. Those nope. are really good. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I mean, yeah, I could I've go paid. on and on, but <laughs> that's a pretty good list, though. I feel like yeah, that's a pretty good list. I like that. I like that. No one's ever answered that question that way. I like it. Well, before before we continue with questions. I think you've brought up how much of a sports fan you are. I think it'd be a big mistake if we didn't bring up the Warriors versus Raptors game five that happened a couple of nights ago. Uh, And you're a big Kevin Durant fan, right? I am a Kevin fan. Yes. Oh, Kevin. Oh man. Has it been a rough week for you? Uh, Yeah. I've been in mourning. I don't even know how I feel about the game on this week. Game six. I don't know if I can watch or not. I just well, felt so bad for Kevin. Yeah, your favorite player's not there anymore. Do you cheer for the team still? Well, yeah, yeah. I'm not really a Kawhi fan, so. Okay. I mean, the dude had really Kawhi. big, awesome hands, but. But but he did the I'm Spurs dirty, right? That's what he did, yeah. And I haven't liked him since. I liked him at the when he played there, and I haven't liked him since. <laughs> oh, good times, good times. Well, look, I don't want to, like, go away from the – the sports conversation. I don't know, should we do a sports podcast? I was going to say, I but I feel podcast. like there might be some people that are listening that are like, is this not a destination marketing podcast? I thought I turned, I might have tuned into the wrong thing. Um, Maybe we'll okay, do so a go- spinoff of a sports podcast. Later. Okay, I like it. The okay. destination sports podcast. I just, just brainstorm. I like here. it. I think there's something there. Yeah. I definitely think there's something there. Well, okay, so going away from Kevin Durant, shifting gears a little bit. Um, Quick question for you. So along the same lines, you talked about 
all of the sporting events that you would like to go to as part of your, you know, kind of dream destinations or dream events that you want to be a part of. Is there a favorite place that you've been and visited before? And maybe it's a place that you always go back to, but do you have a place that you've been to that you just loved? So I loved the Oregon coast and I loved Paris. Loved it. Wow. Paris and the Oregon coast, two very different destinations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did you like about them? Well, I feel like when I was at the Oregon coast, I more or less looked at everything they did as far as like destination development. Oregon's really good at that. They have their signage is amazing. They have so many rest stops and, and just the way they've, they've done a great job. So that was probably my favorite part, although it was really pretty too. And, um, I like road trips. So that was, that was like an ideal road trip. And Paris was, is, is Paris. Paris is Paris. Yep. Yeah. I mean, enough said there. Yeah. Enough said there. And okay. Let me it ask was you. mostly oh, the food that got me. The f- okay. Yeah, got the it. Food. Yeah, the food that makes total sense. Does it change the way, like when you go being in the tourism industry? So I remember this might come as a shock to some listeners, but I actually did go to school and <laughs> it, I actually took a film appreciation class and it yeah, kind of changed the way. Yeah. It was fun, right? It was a lot of fun, but it kind of changed the way that I thought about like when I sit down and watch a movie. I definitely look at, you know, things differently than just kind of sitting down and enjoying the movie. It's like, oh, like I noticed different elements that I didn't notice before. When you go and visit a destination, being in the tourism industry, like, is it more than just, hey, I want to go and enjoy this destination? Do you check out like all of the different facets yeah. of, you know, marketing and all that stuff? What is that? Is that different? For yeah, you? You, you brought up signage, yeah. right? For, in Oregon. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of people so talk bad. about how they love the signage yeah. in Oregon. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And like brochures and stuff when you're planning a trip, like I totally like think about, oh, I wonder if this is how people plan a trip when they come to our county and what could we do better? What do they do that works really well? So yeah, I totally do that all the time. And I think it annoys my friends and family, but like customer service too. I'm always like, oh, who did their training? That was amazing. Yeah. Oh man, customer service. I want to make sure that we come back to that topic because you guys have done some great things in customer service. So if if I at the end when I say, is there anything I didn't ask you? If I haven't asked you that, let's bring that up. Okay. <laughs> um tell us tell us what got you into tourism and why you're still there. Oh, this is a weird story. So um in high school, well in our county it's um we're very heavily reliant on tourism and um I started working as a dishwasher at a restaurant in the county, and then I moved up to a busser and then moved up to a server, and there were a lot of days that I was like, if one more person walks in this building, I'm going to flip. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't appreciate the fact that those people were paying my wage. I didn't appreciate the fact that they were having like the best time of their life. They're on, on a dream vacation, right? So... I was the, I'm the worst person to end up being a tourism director because I was such a bad, bad child. But, um, (laughs) then I just kind of ended up getting a part-time job at the tourism office here and slowly just kind of worked my way up to this position and dumb luck. That's probably what it was. Dumb luck. That's really cool. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. That's a cool story. Tell us, you know, you touched on your role a little bit. Um, can you tell us a little bit? And obviously, we've talked to, um, you know, different folks on this podcast. And I think even though they might have the same title, 
a lot of times their role and what they're over, you know, varies depending on the needs of that destination. Can you speak a little bit about your role specifically at Garfield County and what you oversee? Right. So we, um, we're a really unique county because we have about 5,000 square miles in our county, I believe, and 4,000 people. So very spread it wow. out. It actually takes me the same amount of time to drive from where I live in Panguitch to the far end of my county, which is Tickaboo. It takes me the same amount of time to do that as it takes to drive from Panguitch to Salt Lake. So four hours. That's wow. How- yeah, that- that's a big area. Yeah, how spread out our county is. So some people, um, destination marketers, they have a membership or something like that. We don't. We just have to be play good to everybody and keep heads in beds, I guess. But I, I feel like maybe at the beginning when I first took over, that was always the mantra, like heads and beds, heads and beds, heads and beds. But it's turned into so much more because the tax base is, is – you know, tourists bring in a lot of, of tax revenue. It's not just the heads in beds or the transient room tax that we collect, but tourists eat in our restaurants, tourists buy our gas, tourists, um, they actually spend a lot of time at our hospital. So <laughs> everyone's getting touched in our area. That is a unique facet of tourism revenue generation. Right? <laughs> the hospital. We haven't touched on that one yet. <laughs> It's true. Well, so that's a lot to keep track of. Uh, and, and especially with such a large county, uh, there's a lot of stakeholders there that, that also want to have a say probably and, and want to be involved. Tell us a little bit about your destination. What, what makes Garfield County unique? I, I've actually been there on several vacations with my family and experienced several different parts of the county. It's one of my favorite places to go. In fact, my wife just hit me up a couple of weeks ago and said, Hey, when are we going back? So, uh, I know, but I'd like for you to explain kind of for our listeners, what makes Garfield County so unique? Yeah. So we are, I mean, we have a lot of public lands. I think 95% public land in Garfield County. It might be 97, something like that. But, um, that means that we have Bryce Canyon National Park, which is obviously the biggest driver. And we're so lucky to have a national park because a lot of people just, you say Bryce and they, they gravitate to that. So, but the challenge too, is that we have so many other things than Bryce. So educating people on things like the Grand Staircase, Escalante National Monument, or the three state parks we have, the two national scenic byways. One of our scenic byways um, just got awarded a three-star Michelin. Um, Michelin Guide three-star, I think. Is that how you say it? That's a big deal. That's the highest yeah. um, the highest stars you can get, and they've never done that for a, a drive before a road. So, right. Yep. I mean, that's kind of the caliber of stuff that, that we have in the area. Well, the, the amazing thing to me is, is okay, you've got the National Park, you've got the National Monument, you've got the scenic byways, and yet there's so much more than even those first top five, right. top ten things, right? Like I've gone and hiked a slot canyon there that isn't even on your top ten list, right? And and so it's so fun to me to go down to, to Bryce Canyon because there's so many, or excuse Bryce Canyon country, I should say, there's so many different things to do. Yeah, absolutely. And the challenge is just educating people on, on all of the other things to do and getting them to, 
essentially take their time and slow down and visit everything we have to offer. But it seems like people will come and, and they'll tell us that the biggest regret is that they didn't spend enough time. But then they always come back because they have to try the second tier, third tier kind of um, sites too. So that's always an opportunity. Yeah. Always something else to see, right? You didn't get a chance to on the first visit. That makes a lot of sense. You touched on, you touched on, you know, being fortunate to have a national park. Um, tell us a little bit about, are there challenges that come along with that as well? Though, obviously it's a huge benefit. It's a huge driver of visitation, but talk about some of the challenges that you've kind of had to navigate and what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So the state did their Mighty Five campaign, which probably most people are familiar with. Yeah. And that was um, really successful, and it, it brought a lot of attention to the national parks. And unfortunately, the national parks are quite underfunded and understaffed, so that was kind of hectic on, on them to have so many visitors. And I guess the challenge with a destination marketer versus a public lands manager, they're there to... Um, to protect the land, to protect the the landscape and the, and, and, you know, and we're there to let people see it and we want people to see it. So kind of we're on two different um, kind of competing objectives almost. Sometimes. Yeah. And, and I don't want to take anything away from our like current superintendent. She is amazing. Right. She's great. She's a good partner. And that's a huge thing. But I mean, I get where they're coming from. They just have different objectives than, than what we see. Well, I know infrastructure in a lot of cases is a, is a challenge, right? I mean, you can't right. just add millions of visitors and not have repercussions. <laughs> I mean, the fact that, right. that you mentioned the the hospitals and, and the fact that they see a lot of people. I mean, if, if we had 10 falls in a day at Bryce Canyon, you know, could the hospital support that? I think those are real concerns. Do we have enough bathrooms near the national park to accommodate all the people that are there? I can definitely see a lot of the challenges that that could happen there. But, you know, I, I remember when you and I first met, one of the biggest challenges that you had was, okay, it's not hard to get people to come to Bryce Canyon. That's easy, right? The trick is to make them not have us be one night on a five national park tour and like you said, their biggest their biggest regret is not spending enough time within your destination. So uh, right. when you did that, I mean, you you wanted to divert some traffic, I'm sure, from Bryce Canyon to to touch on all the different uh, activities and attractions that there are within your county. What is that process like? How do you divert traffic, and how do you get people to not just go to Bryce Canyon and move on? How, how do you do that? So I feel like the Mighty Five did play a really big role in that at first because we, the Scenic Byway, Scenic Byway 12, connects Bryce Canyon and Capitol Reef. And Capitol Reef um, pretty much dissects our county, but the entrance is in a different county. But that gets people down um, our Scenic Byway, and that gets people into our smaller communities, our gateway communities. and And then they realize that, oh, hey, this is the – doorstep to the Grand Staircase National Monument, and there's so much to do. There's so much to see here. So it's, yeah, tricky to get people to divert, but 
we're lucky we have all those other assets and all those other things that have helped kind of get people down the road. I think you mentioned you, we've, this has kind of been a recurring theme so far, right? As you talked about the fact that there, yes, there's Bryce Canyon, but there's so many other things to see, so many other things to do. Um, and you mentioned folks that will come down and, and, and say that their biggest regret is not spending enough time. And I think that dovetails nicely into one of uh, your campaigns, which is the Take Your Time campaign. And so for those that aren't familiar, do you mind just kind of giving uh, a little bit of an overview of, you know, the Take Your Time campaign and what it entails and what the purpose behind it was? Right. So I'm. that's basically what it was, getting people to slow down and take their time. So we, um, we, we did several videos, and I think it was one of the first times that we actually incorporated a lot more of our assets other than just Bryce Canyon into our marketing stuff. We even um, marketed so, some of our print um, ads were, they weren't Bryce Canyon photos. They were actually photos of these other things. So that said, take your time. So we caught people with the iconic photos, but when they went to our website, they were seeing how they could take their time, seeing how they could slow down, seeing what else they could do, seeing what else they could see. And there, we also had to have a lot of buy-in from our stakeholders and our partners to, to get them on board to tell people what else there is in the area to do to take their time. That makes a ton of sense. What, as far as the, maybe the impact that you've seen from that campaign, can you speak to that and what that's been like and how the campaign's been received from those stakeholders that you just mentioned? Right. So, um, it's, it's been very successful. Um, we basically gauge a lot of stuff on our transient room tax revenue going up and it has significantly increased in the last four or five years since we started that campaign. I think, um, like total 15, 20%. Wow. That's through, great. Wow. Through all the years, but we have, um, added some more inventory in the area and some of the prices inventory have meaning gone up. hotel rooms, right? Is that yeah, okay. hotel rooms? Yeah. Sorry. And, and price points have gone up a little, so that does help. But sure. I mean, I, I feel like that's definitely a way that we can say people are, um, staying longer because they're spending more nights and more money and more tourism tax in our area. So it's been very successful. Well, and the, the results are obviously the most important part, right? But pretty cool that that campaign also won Best Tourism Ad Campaign in the state of Utah in 2015, right? Right. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about, because we did the Take Your Time campaign, uh, and, and I think it was there was a lot changing at the time, because another thing, if I remember right, you guys had a large portion of your budget t- going towards print, and the advertising landscape was kind of changing at the time. And so not only was it a new campaign, but also a a brand new media plan with a lot more digital tactics and, and those types of things. Uh, And so, and so that was a big kind of shot in the arm impact originally. And then the campaign was super successful and you guys got great results. And then it was really time to kind of move on to the next thing, right. Which led to the, to the day trips for days campaign, What's it right. been like to that move on? That was kind of like our tier two stuff. So we got people to come. We got them to take their time. But now they could actually stay and day trip from all of our areas and see other things that they didn't originally plan on seeing. So that we, we developed a lot of itineraries with the day trips for days campaign. 
and and did a, a lot of videos that were really great that gave people ideas for day trips from from just here. I mean, we had I think five videos, so essentially that's five days you could spend just doing those things and there's plenty more than just the videos. And then of course we um, rolled that into adventures for days too. And that was um, kind of our more adventurous clientele. So not necessarily the families or the older people that just wanted to do like maybe a road trip or a drive, a day trip. But these were the people that wanted to get out and do canyoneering and do um, crazy hikes that last a few days things like that. Yeah. Which is great because it really, you know, helped you drill down on getting a specific message to the specific persona uh, of of the different types of people that that come to your destination. And so really cool to see you do that. Was that a, a, like kind of a natural transition or was it difficult to move on from the take your time campaign? No, because I feel like we still use the take your time concept quite a bit, but like I said, it's kind of like a, a take your time overall, but day trips for days and adventure for days, they're kind of like the second level stuff. So I feel like we still hang on to the take your time stuff, but we've just evolved. Yep. You were talking a little bit about, you know, changing things up. As we think about Bryce Canyon, certainly really, really important to Garfield County. But like we talked about earlier, there's so much more to do in Garfield County, right? And so I think some of the shift and focus that you're talking about is how do you then distribute traffic to some of these other um, you know, other activities and other things to do within Garfield County. It's sometimes difficult, right? When you've got folks that have done things a certain way for so long, sometimes there's this resistance to change or sometimes those conversations can be difficult. Just curious as to, as to see what your experience has been like as you've started to talk about Yes, we have Bryce Canyon and we want to continue to show the world that that's what we have to offer here in Garfield County, but there's also other things to do here in Garfield. And so how's the, what's the, what's the temperature been like and what's been the buy-in from some of the other stakeholders and have they been supportive of that? I feel like our stakeholders have been really supportive and really appreciative of us getting out that message. Um, the downfall though, too, is sometimes when we, um, push more on the other things and less of Bryce Canyon, we've seen kind of a shift that we're having less visitors at Bryce now. And so we're almost kind of having to go back to, Oh, we can't um, just eliminate our biggest player. Like we've got to keep that um, relevant as well as all of the other things we have. Totally makes sense. And, and in that process of, of distribution, I know that, I know that now the focus is turning a little bit back to Bryce Canyon. I'm sure that we'll, We'll kind of go back and forth as time goes on, depending on where the need is, right? But right. but you you have, and I've been in several of your uh, stakeholder meetings, board meetings, that type of thing. You have a wide variety of opinions and experience, and uh, you know history and legacy within your county. How do you what what process do you go through to get everybody on board? Because that's that's obviously not an easy thing to do when you've got so many different personalities with with a with a vested interest in the success or failure of the destination. Right. <laughs> I don't know that we've um, perfected that really well. I mean, I feel like we're very lucky compared to some of the horror stories I've heard in other areas with partners and um, I. I'm just fortunate that we have a lot of people that are really interested in tourism in our county and a lot of really great business um, 
and community leaders that they're they're super excited to give you their ideas and I, I feel like our board listens to those ideas and we we can turn those into action yeah. items too. And well, and that, that brings up, I, I, we had Lance Syrup from Ruby's Inn on a few weeks ago, and, and he talked a little bit about the relationship that you guys have been able to have. And, and I think compared to a lot of the counties or destinations that we deal with, I think you've got a really good relationship with especially your hotel partners. Uh, how, how do you do that? How do, how do you maintain such a good relationship with maybe the Ruby's Inns of the world that, that's a real major hotel partner, but also maybe the smaller hotels that don't get maybe the first round of traffic, but when Ruby's full is full, they benefit more from them being full. How do you keep those hotel partners happy and a good relationship with them in the process? Yeah, that's, that's difficult. And that's always a a tricky thing that we, we try to be considerate of, I guess. A lot of the other DMOs in, in the state of Utah, they always say they wish they had a Lance and, and just a little background on that is we have, I believe, 2,050 um, hotel rooms in our county and um, 900 of them, 800 and something, I guess, are at Ruby's Inn. So he is a really big player in our county. But um, we, we also, like you said, have all the other guys. And we're lucky because I think that Lance is kind of led by example almost. He's very approachable. And so other businesses, um, they're crazy if they don't take advantage of his knowledge. But also, we just like to get out our office and make sure that we know what's happening. We know what our product is. We talk to these people quite regularly. We just developed a partner website on our BriceCanyonCountry.com. It's our local partner page where we get up-to-date information. If we have road closures, if we have you know any news that people need to be aware of, of event information for the hotels to make sure their front desk staff understand what's going on and also um, grant opportunities from our office that we offer and just ways for other hoteliers to make sure they stay involved and understand what our office is doing. We've been fairly transparent in our office, I think, and that's been a huge thing that's really helped us build a good relationship with a lot of the hotel partners, but also the um, activities partners. They're super important. And so are the restaurant owners. What What's one of the, I mean, one of the things that I've always appreciated about you is, you know, you, you talk about listening to your customers, right? And I think, you know, we'll get into that here in just a minute, a little bit more, but what is it as you look and kind of reflect on your role and the things that you've learned over the years is there something that stands out that you said, hey, this is really important and this is probably something that I didn't necessarily expect going into the role, but this has been a huge learning for me. Anything top of mind that you would say is a major takeaway as far as something that you learned? So before I started doing this, I had no idea how many politics were involved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we hear that a lot. Yes, we do. Yeah, that's probably been one of the most interesting learning curves I've had. Okay. Um. I, I had no idea. And when you're dealing with a county that has national parks and um, national monuments and state parks and national forests, you're working with that's four or five different land management agencies, and they all have different agendas. And then you're also deal, dealing with like the locals who sometimes don't want the secret to be out how amazing our county is, yet we're thriving on tourism dollars. So 
I don't know. It's a it's an interesting dynamic politics are. What's the okay, let me ask you this then. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but so what is the secret then? So you've got all of these different uh, you know, individuals and entities, you've got multiple agencies that you're talking to and trying to keep everyone happy and keep the peace, even though they have can, you know, sometimes competing agendas. What's the secret to keeping everyone happy? How do you how do you handle that dynamic? That's so hard because I don't know that I've done that 100%. <laughs> but I just think really being transparent, being open, being honest, staying um, in constant communication with people and making sure they know and understand what we're doing. Um, we, we're applying for a grant with the Office of Tourism. A, a lot of the other counties in our area are applying for the same grant. It's a, a marketing grant that essentially double, doubles our out-of-state marketing dollars. But um, one of the parts, my favorite parts about this is we have the opportunity to ask for um, support letters from our, our partners. And I just love the diversity in, and the different dynamics that we get in those letters. So we got them from the majority of our land agencies, but we also got them from the private sector, guides and outfitters, restaurants. You name it. So I, I love that part because then I get to reach out to people and and give them an understanding of what we're we're doing next year and what the plans are and and they're all so supportive. So well, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just open communication. Yeah, yeah I think that's but, a pretty good indicator, yeah. right, of of the sentiment of of the people there, and I think that's great. Another thing that I but know it's also oh, important that the partners too that they understand that if they're a good partner, it's much easier for all of us to to do our job. Sure. sure. I know one other thing that you do that, that I think is really good. You do kind of an annual, here's what I did with your money report, right? And here was the results. Right. And yep. I think that report is really key too, because it builds the confidence with, with the stakeholders within your destination too. Right. I honestly think a lot of people didn't even realize what our office did. I think they sometimes hear that we go to these trade shows. So they they think that we're going on these lavish, wonderful trips mm -hmm. And, um, they didn't understand all the other, the other things that we do. A lot of people still say, oh my gosh, it's summer. Is it your busy season? And I'm like, no, actually it's busy year round for us because we're working on the next season or the next year or our marketing plan for this or our marketing plan for that, or how we're going to spend money or how we're going to increase visitation to a certain area of our, our county. So yeah. Yeah. People don't realize that, you know, your co-op <laughs> application is due in June of 2019 for 2020. And so you're working right. six to eight months ahead just to, you know, just to keep your head above water. So yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a good point. Right. And then even with like the tour operators, I mean, they're booking a year or two in advance as it is. So, I mean, we're, those lines of communications with people that are sending um, guests and visitors to the area, we have to be so on top of our game on that too, and making sure they're educated on what we have. And absolutely, yeah, it's a it's a year round process yeah. for sure. Right. Let's let's go back to the we touched on customer service at the beginning. I want to go back to that because I I remember several years ago when when you first kind of started to look at customer service within your destination and. I thought it was such an awesome idea because the reality is better customer service means a better customer experience for the visitor. And I don't think the waiter at the local restaurant understands how it impacts the entire destination. 
And so for you to give that training and give that uh, customer service training, it's not, it's not normally, at least from what I've seen, uh, administrated by the tourism office, but it's such an important thing that I think it should be administered by every tourism office in, in every destination. And so tell me a little bit about what you've done, what made you start it, and, and kind of where it's at today. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this originated with the fact that I was a really poor employee way back in the day too. But I remember people coming in and saying, how many miles to Bryce Canyon? Or what's the best hike in on the Grand Staircase? Or how do I see the Grand Staircase? What's the best way to do that? Or I only have this much time. How can I maximize my, my hours and make sure I see something? And I remember answering that question a lot by saying, I don't know. (laughs) And now whenever I overhear somebody say that in the tourism industry on the front lines, I'm like, oh, that's like fingernails on a chalkboard almost to me. So we developed an online training that um, first people understand why tourism is so important and why our guests are so important and that they're actually paying the bills. And um, we, we put out a little... Um, whiteboard video, I guess. So really um, bare bones video on exactly what happens when a, per- a, a person visits the area and, and all the chains and funnels that, that their money goes through. And I don't think people realize that sometimes tourism funds, especially in our county, search and rescue, the ambulance, trash collection. So tourists minimize a lot of the financial impact on the locals. And people sometimes don't don't remember that part of it, but sorry, that was kind of off the customer service, but it's important for people to understand. So they know that they need to treat um, our visitors as the best they can. I mean, so we, that's part of it. We educate them on, on the importance of the customer. And then we educate them on all of the things we have to offer. So we don't want someone to be in Boulder, for instance, Boulder, Utah, Uh And they have someone come in that's coming to Penguin, and a person in Boulder has no idea what Penguin has to offer. So we developed um, quick answer guides for all of our areas. So so these are actual like in hand guides. Yeah. yeah. So we handed those out to all the businesses and told them to keep them at their register and let their their employees study them. Don't hand them out to the public; they're just internal things, and and make sure that they. They educate themselves so they at least have three answers before they say, I don't know. And there's a quiz that goes along with that as well. And if a business gets so many participants in their business to take the quiz, then we give them a little extra exposure on our website, a little extra exposure in our newsletter. We give them a little sticker that goes in their window that says, ask us how to take your time. So then the customer actually wants to engage with the with the business and they have the opportunity to sell the entire area as well. Awesome. What have you seen or what have these businesses seen as a result of that improved customer experience? So a lot of the businesses that have actually like hopped on and really embraced it have seen a lot of, a lot of success. We've had several um, managers at hotels say, every time I watch this or every time I go through it with a new employee, I learn something new every time. I learn something new about a different area or it encourages me to find out a little bit more about the area as well. Or it makes me want to be a tourist in our own community and visit those areas too. Awesome. You know, and then they just feel like their customer or their, 
front desk staff really have that knowledge to sell the destination and to get that extra stay. Perfect. That's, that's really cool. You know, it's funny, we could spend an unlimited amount of money and never be able to spend enough to tell a better story than people who actually came and had a great visitor experience. You know, millions of people come to Bryce Canyon every single year, right? And we're spending, you know, uh, relatively speaking, a small amount of money compared to the amount of people that come. And they come because other people tell them word of mouth, how amazing the destination is. And every single either positive or negative experience contributes to that, right? And so I I love what you're doing in the customer service side of things because that improved customer experience can tell so much better of a story than a digital ad or than a banner ad or a print ad or a TV ad. Uh, I just just love the impact that that can come from that. Right, and it's a fairly inexpensive thing. I mean, just to get the... To develop it and then to get the business owners on board, it, it wasn't a lot of expense, you know, like there's a, it's a, you get a high ROI for a lot of years. Yep. No question. So Fallon, one question that, uh, this is a tricky question to answer. I fully recognize that, but I'm going to ask you to look into the future a little bit. Crystal ball. Crystal ball. Crystal ball time. What does the future of Garfield County look like? And maybe even more broadly, the future of tourism. What are you seeing? And if you looked out 5, 10, 20 years from now, what do you see? So um, there's another DMO in our state that always says that she feels like we've become not just destination marketers, but also destination um, management kind of Mm. people. So we need to manage the destination and we need to make sure that what we're offering is what we're delivering. So I think looking into the future too is that with all this increased um, increased visitors, we need to make sure that we're giving them the amenities that they're expecting. I mean, if they're coming at seven o'clock at night, do we have any place for them to eat? So I, I think just in, in the next 10 years, I hope that we develop that more. We've, um, in the last five years, we've worked on increasing our shoulder season and we've definitely, definitely achieved that. So I would say like, 10-year goal, maybe we're year-round. Maybe we're a legit year-round destination and and people don't have to find a second job in the winter. Awesome. I, I think that's great. Really, we could we could talk all day. I think about the, the fun stuff that, that you've done at Garfield County and, and clearly uh, have made a pretty awesome impact on the destination. And, you know, it's been fun to work together in that process. Fallon, it's been great to have you on. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys. It's been fun. Thanks, Fallon, and uh, go Raptors. No, <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. Oh, 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 sorry. So sorry, funny. I had to. Thanks for I'm staving sorry. that till the end. That would have ruined the whole podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, I would have hung up. I know, <laughs> I know. That's why I waited till the end. Thanks a lot, Fallon. <laughs> thank you, guys. Well, this has been the Destination Marketing Podcast with Adam Stoker and Jordan Barker and our special guest, Fallon Owens, who we've really enjoyed having on today. I want to remind everyone that we have a LinkedIn group called Destination Marketers. And if you search that on LinkedIn, request to join the group. Uh, We would love to have you join the growing community of Destination Marketers that are sharing insights, sharing experiences, and education, technologies that are available, and really kind of growing together. And we invite all of our listeners to to join, and we will catch you next time.